it's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Now, from the most powerful city in the world, a new generation of conservative talk. Fair, fresh, fun. It's the Guy Benson Show with Guy Benson. Well, welcome to the Guy Benson Show. As you can tell, I am not Guy Benson. (laughs) I'm Mary Walter sitting in the seat for Guy Benson. So happy to be with you. A lot coming up. On the show coming up in about half an hour, we'll be joined by Congressman Pat Fallon out of Texas. He's on the Armed Services uh, Committee, and we're going to talk about uh, the Supreme Court ruling about Remain in Mexico, how the administration now can get rid of that. I mean, because he's right in Texas. And, you know, we keep saying, oh, you live in the middle of the country. Ah, it's Texas. But they're shipping these people all over the country. And every town now is a border town. You keep hearing that kind of hacking a little bit. But it's true. Uh, We're also going to uh, talk a little bit uh, about gas prices, inflation, and some um, some things that were said yesterday that we have questions about because um, Brian Deese had, had said something and everybody went, wait, what? And you heard the needle, like, just go right across the record. You know the RCA dog, Nipper, who has his head to the side? I'm dating myself. Um, but that's honestly, that's from like the 30s, and I was not alive in the 30s, but I know what that is. And he's got the head to the side or that, si- that that face the dog makes when you hide the tennis ball, even though you pretended to throw it. Like everybody went, wait, what? When Brian D said this, so we'll share that with you, and we're going to talk to him about that as well. I want to start off with, though, listen, Friday of 4th of July weekend, right? A lot of people heading out to travel because 4th of July is a Monday. So a lot of people took half day today and then they make it kind of a little bit more of a longer weekend. Or if you took Friday off, you know, here you go. You get a four day weekend, which is great. That's super cool. So, um, and in the past, you know, when I was working in Washington, D.C., I live in New Jersey, so I would go down to Washington on Sundays and come back on Fridays. So when 4th of July was a Wednesday or something like that, I didn't have the holiday. I just worked. I'm like, well, I'm not driving home to drive back. I can't even go to a barbecue. So I just worked. Um, So having – because a lot of people don't get the 4th off, believe it or not. Uh, And uh, so this is is really nice. A lot of people are trying to get away. But as you know and as you have heard – Flights are getting canceled all over the place. And this is scary to me because we're going out west in September. We're going out to Montana and Idaho. We've been going out to Montana for since 04. So we've been going out for a really, really long time out there. And we're also going to check out Idaho because California has emptied into Montana. So we're going to check out Idaho. But I said to my husband, I'm like, we better buy trip insurance because if you if they cancel your flight, what are you going to do? And we have a connecting flight. We have to fly from Newark to Denver and then from Denver to Bozeman. So the odds are really good that not both of our flights are going to actually happen. I mean, for all I know, we're going to get stuck in Denver and not have a flight to Bozeman. So I'm like, well, so what do we do? Do we have, we're staying with friends while we're out there, at least in the Montana part, but the Idaho part, we don't know anybody, so we're not staying with friends. And do we have to pay for the hotel room even if you don't have a flight? How does this work? 
So um, this is really scary to me. I, this, this, this bothers me. And if you want to share your story, if, this, if you've been bumped, I would love to hear from you because I have a great story about Delta Airlines. The number is 833-456-1300 if, if you've been through this, if you've been bumped. You know, what happened to who paid? Did you have to pay for your hotel rooms? How does this work? And now, do this is is this a huge boon to the trip insurance industry? Because I think it is. Because we're going to buy trip insurance. I buy trip insurance when we go to an island. You know, as always, when I go to an island, you never know what's going to happen when you're leaving the country. I always buy trip insurance. But in the country, I'm like, eh, right? You're, you're a two day drive, three day drive from wherever you got to get. It's not the end of the the world. But I think we're going to get trip insurance this time. So listen to this. Passengers on a Delta flight from Michigan to Minnesota said that the airline offered them $10,000 cash to give up their seats because it was a domestic flight that was oversold. $10,000 in cash. Hello. Per person. So if my husband and I, that, that's 20 grand, I will take it and get, I'll pay, I will pay $10,000 cash each. The flight attendant said, if you have Apple Pay, you will have the money right now. Uh, this one guy, this is in Fortune, uh, this is in Fortune, Then they talk about this guy, Jason Aiton, he's a tech columnist for Inc. Magazine, and he got on the plane with his family, and he was waiting for the plane to leave the gate, and the flight attendant came over the intercom and said that the crew was looking for eight volunteers to give up their seat on the oversold flight, offering them $10,000 cash each. Now, the only reason I would not do this is because my luggage is already on the plane. And if my luggage is already on the plane, I know, especially since it's connect, if a connecting flight, like if this were hap- to happen to me in September, I know that the odds of ever seeing my luggage again are probably slim and none, right? So I don't want to lose my luggage. Is it worth 10 grand? Uh, it might be. Uh, but if I, and am I going to get taxed on that money? Then it's only five grand, right? Because you figure government's going to take half. Now I'm down to five grand. And... When you think about it, is this money that I gave out of my taxes to the airlines to bail them out during the pandemic, and now they're just going to give it back to me, but it's going to get taxed? You know, all these these are the things that go through my head. They're they're hoping that someone not like me raises their hand and says, "Yes, ten grand, I'm in." But I would I would worry about my my luggage. That would be my thing. I've been on too many flights. I've been on more flights where my luggage did not arrive with me. Than when it did, I had an airline lose my luggage on an overseas flight with no stops. It was nonstop direct from JFK to Helsinki. And somewhere in there, they lost my flight and couldn't find it for days. Like how hard is this? Unless you opened up a door and shoved it out over the Atlantic, it's got to be at JFK or in Helsinki. It's got to be in one of two places. So I would be worried about that. They, Delta, along with all the airlines, as you know, has canceled a ton of flights because of staffing shortages. Now, why do they have staffing shortages? Huh. Could it possibly be because they insisted that all of their personnel get the vaccine and a lot of pilots walked? Because those pilots could go to like FedEx or UPS where they're flying planes of packages around and nobody cares if they're vaccinated or not. So they lost a lot of pilots and a lot of, of crew 
because of the the vaccine mandate. And now they're shocked because nobody thought that anybody would walk. I know people in every industry that walked because of vaccine mandates. And now they don't have enough pilots. Another passenger on a flight out of Grand Rapids confirmed uh, what this one guy posted saying, it's a true story. I was on that flight, um, but he couldn't do that because his wife has uh, health problems. And earlier, an agent made an opening bit of five grand while people were waiting at the gate. Then they upped it up to 7,500 once the boarding began, and it was 10 grand by the time most people were on board. See, that's the game. It's like eBay, right? <laughs> that's the game. And like, are they going to drop it more? Are they going to drop it more? Uh, it took a second announcement of 10 grand and 20 minutes of waiting for enough people to get off the plane and for the flight to take off. Um, so this guy, he was traveling with eight people. They would have gotten 80 grand between them. He said, had we known it was eight initially, we would have gotten off, but by the, by that time it was four or five people had already left. And so they didn't, uh, they, they, their group didn't take it, but that's crazy. I, I don't know. Would you get off? Would you, would you do that? And if you've had any kind of experience with your flight being canceled, I'd love to hear your experience. 1300. That's so easy. 833-456-1300. Now, we over 2,400 trips were disrupted yesterday alone. 2,400 trips. Can you imagine what it's like today? They expect 47 million people to travel today. This, well, over, the, over this, this weekend, this 4th of July holiday. 47 million, about 3.5 are expected to fly. So the rest of the people obviously are going to drive or take boats or whatever. Uh, uh, more than, as I said, 2,400 flights in and out, in, out of, and across the U.S. were delayed and another 418 were canceled as of 3.30 yesterday, according to FlightAware. This is becoming more and more regular. I, I, I mean, I've the only time I've had a flight canceled was when I listen to this, I confirmed the flight the night before because we you know, this is back in the day where you couldn't do it on the computer, you get on the phone and you had a and which wasn't that long ago by the way, had to get on the phone and you had to confirm the flight. And I did and we got our seats and confirmed our seats and everything's happy. At midnight, the airline went out of business, declared bankruptcy, and we got to Newark Airport the next morning, had no clue because we confirmed our flights. I kid you not, at like 11 o'clock, about an hour before they declared bankruptcy. And we get to Newark Airport, and there's police tape, and there's people screaming and yelling, and police, and, and, and just craziness to find out that our flight, the, the airline just didn't cancel flight. They went out of business. <laughs> We, my husband and I got another flight on another airline, but hours and hours away. So we, we rode the monorail just because we were so bored. We just rode the monorail around Newark Airport for, I can't tell you how long, took a nap on it because we had nothing else to do. It was horrible. So I can't imagine if your flight's canceled, you don't know if it's going to happen again tomorrow. I guess you go home and you get to come back. They, they're blaming bad weather, which I think is BS. Shortage of workers, especially pilots, yes. And that, they say that's what the, a lot of the widespread cancellations over the Memorial Day holiday. Um, cancellations, that was 4.7% of that holiday week. Um, you also have a lot of these workers going out on strike. That's another thing. You've got pilots now going out on strike. And because, listen, they know that this is a great time to go out on strike, right? 
Um, and now they're saying, I've just found another piece out of the Daily Mail say it was over 5,800 flights now that have been delayed and 640 canceled with Newark, the most prolific in terms of cancellations, followed by Denver. Guess where my flight's going in September? Newark to Denver. And then from Denver to Bozeman. I'm never going to make it. Um, American Airlines alone had over seven, uh, delayed over 700 flights. But one pilot said that the delays are actually meant to spin the truth. Over 750,000 passengers have had their flights impacted in the month of June on American Airlines alone, with 7,500 in the last two days. So those are updated numbers. And then, you know, you've got the roads, which I'm sorry, I, I live at the Jersey Shore. I don't leave the house from Memorial Day to Labor Day to go anywhere that requires highway travel. I just don't. It's not happening because nobody, you're all crazy. Um, okay. Yeah, American Airlines canceled 8% of their flights uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And there's just pictures of these airports that are just bumper to bumper. Um, so last year, according to AAA, the average gas, well, you know what the average gas price was? It was ridiculous. They're, they're only expecting a, a little bit more travel on the roads. Not a lot and only a little bit more air travel. I thought it would be a lot more. But I wonder how many people aren't traveling because of this. Delta Airlines pilots started picketing yesterday at uh, LAX, JFK, and Atlanta, which, because things aren't bad enough, let's make everybody miserable. And then you wonder why people get on planes and they're ready to just punch somebody, right? And we're all blaming it on COVID and the masking and everything else, which I get. But then you put this on top of it. People are losing their minds as it is. It's just a miserable experience. Seriously, flying is a miserable, horrible experience. The U.S. has fallen apart. I, I mean, I really think we're falling apart. And you add to that, if you get to your destination, you find out that um, it's going to cost you, if you want to have uh, your, your barbecue, it's going to cost you about 17% more this year than it did last year. 17% more. They're also saying you can feed 10 people for 70 bucks. I'm like, really? At a barbecue, you can feed 10 people for 70 bucks. I don't know where you live. Ch- beef up 36%. Chicken breast, 33%. Pork and beans are up 33%. Um, center cut pork chops, 31 On and on and on. The only thing that's gone down is strawberries, sliced cheese, and potato chips. So not a super healthy diet. So It's just insane. So, yeah, but it's not all bad news. We do have some more good news coming up. So I didn't want you to think it was all bad news. But if you're traveling this weekend, please be careful and try to just keep the zen about you. More coming up on The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. The Fox News Rundown. A contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. How long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? As long as it takes. As long as it takes. That's Joe Biden. How long should Americans be paying? And you expect to pay five, six, seven dollars gasoline. And you know what this is? This is as until it becomes normal. It's all conditioning you to the, in my humble opinion, to the new normal. It's like the frog in the pot. You know, can't get stuff at, at stores, shelves bare. It was shocking at first during the pandemic. Didn't go away with the pandemic. Ah, supply chain. Now it's the war in Ukraine. There's always going to be a problem. There's always going to be a reason. Flight delays, you're going to get used to it. 
you're going to get used to it. You're just going to buy flight insurance. And if your vacation's canceled, oh, well, that's just the way it is. So until they end the war in Ukraine, we're going to keep paying Putin for gas to send us petroleum, all right, to send us oil. We're going to pay him, which funds the war in Ukraine. And as long as the war in Ukraine keeps going, we have to keep paying higher prices to keep paying Putin. Do you see what's happening here? It's a dog chasing its tail and Putin's the dog. I mean, well, actually, Putin's the tail and we're chasing it. You know, this we're paying him higher prices because we need the oil because Biden won't, you know, make America America energy independent again. We can't have that. So Putin can we're paying him to keep the war going to keep our prices high. It's insanity. Let's uh, quickly go to Christian in Ohio. Christian, you're on the Guy Benson show. Hi. Hi. Um, Yeah, I had a Panama Canal cruise in March um, from Fort Lauderdale. And Delta canceled my flight 12 hours before I was actually supposed to be at the airport. They had a nine and a half hour hold time. I've been in travel for a long time, so I knew to check Atlanta and I could see I was never going to make it to Fort Lauderdale um, before the ship left. I had to rent a car. I drove 16 and a half hours overnight to get to Fort Lauderdale in time to get on the ship. And then I had to fight with Delta to refund me, and I had a first-class ticket, so that didn't save me either. And then they stranded us again coming back. They um, are delayed us. We made it to the gate where our plane was for the return. They wouldn't let us on the plane and left us in the Atlanta airport for another 16 hours. <gasps> Yet they're offering other people $10,000 a pop to just get off the plane. And the rental car cost me double what my first class ticket cost. Now, do you did you have trip insurance? I only have like a minute here. Trip insurance, and does that cover any of this? I, I did not, and the, it was booked through a Princess Cruise Line, which if I booked the airfare through them, they would have been on the hook to get me to the ship. But the thing was, even if they if they'd been on the hook, I would have been stuck in Atlanta, and they would have ended having to fly me to Cartagena and I would have missed the first two to four days of the cruise that I now, did. They very, did they offer you a hotel room? Don't they have to give you a hotel room? Um, no, they didn't offer us anything. I think there's some rules that kick in because I mean, I've been on flights where we, where we wound up, you know, having to land at an airport that was already closed and everything had timed out and all that stuff. And uh, we each got a piece, a slice of pizza. So that would, that was special. Uh, Kristen, I'm so sorry. Thank you for sharing that. I'm telling you, I think I'm not going to travel in September until this gets all cleared up, which means I'm not going to travel as long as Biden is president because, um, you know, we've got Pete Buttigieg who was in charge of this. All right. Coming up, Congressman Pat Fallon will be joining us here on The Guy Benson Show. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. 
And I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson today on this Friday of the 4th of July weekend. Joining us is Congressman Pat Fallon out of Texas, a member of the House Armed Services Committee. Find him on Twitter at RepPatFallon with two L's. Sir, thank you for joining me. Mary, thanks for having me on and happy 4th. Yes, happy 4th almost. Great time to celebrate. Uh, and we have a lot to celebrate, despite everything that is happening in this country and the mess that everything is right now. There is so much to be thankful for and so much to celebrate in this country. And I hope that people do and they really try to see through all of the all of the negativity that is out there right now. With some of the negative stuff we were just talking about, and I'm curious as to what what your opinion is on this or how this can be fixed. Uh, is, are these flights being canceled all over the country? And, and I said just before we, we went to a break there. I almost feel like that, you know, that analogy of the frog in the in the pot of water that, you know, we're, we're almost being conditioned, I think, to believe that, you know, shortages of food w- that we had during the pandemic. Now it's supply chain and now it's just normal. Now you can go into the store and just not see any chicken or, or not see any baby formula or whatever. And it's kind of normal. It would have been shocking to, you know, two years ago, three years ago, we would have been shocked. Five, six dollar a gallon gas okay, we're going to accept it. Um, you know, canceled flights. People can't get anywhere and you don't get your money back and the airlines don't help you. And you wind up in, in, an, in an airport somewhere where you've been stranded on your connecting flight for 16 hours. And it's all just becoming normal. Is this the new normal? Boy, you know what, Mary, I hope not. But, you know, this is our direct result of liberal policies like, like that incentivize sloth. When we had overly generous unemployment benefits that were paying people $54,000 to lay on their couch, smoke pot, eat Cheetos, and watch television, uh, you know, people got to go out there and earn a living and, and provide goods and services. That's how the economy works. The left thinks that they can legislate money, and they can't. And this is, this is why we have a supply chain crisis, and this is why if you ask anybody in business how difficult it is for them to find labor, because a certain segment of the population never went back to work after COVID. Wait, so where are they getting their money? Could you please tell me? Because I want to get in on this gig somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, uh, during COVID, the federal government was giving unemployment benefits, and then the Democrats extended those benefits long after COVID was really a direct threat to the populace, like at the very beginning of the pandemic in the first 60 days. And then it was matched with states. Now, some states could opt out, and Texas did. But there is a certain segment of the population that is just now content with just getting by with the bare minimum, and we're all suffering because of it. Wow. I, me and my darn work ethic combined with Catholic guilt, and it's just <laughs> never going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm doomed. I, I just want to play this, uh, this piece for you. I'm sure you've heard it. This is our, our president uh, yesterday when he was asked about gas prices. Listen to what he had to say here. How long is it fair to expect American drivers and drivers around the world to pay that premium for this war? As long as it takes. So as long as it takes. So correct me if I'm wrong, sir, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not as smart as AOC. I'm not an economist. I don't have an a, a economics degree. <laughs> but we're paying Russia 
for fuel, right? We're paying Russia for fuel and we're paying them an inflated price because they can charge us whatever they want. So we're paying them. They take that money. They put it into into the war in Ukraine and that drags the war out. So as long as the war drags out, we have to keep paying more for fuel to give to Russia to keep the war going. So it's like a circular thing. So we're funding the war in Ukraine, which keeps our gas prices high. Am I wrong? Well, you know, it's a, it's a vicious cycle. So what yeah. Joe Biden did is, you know, uh, he said, well, we don't want to get as much oil as we were before from uh, from Vladimir Putin, but we'll get it from a bunch of mini Putins like Venezuela, Iran, Saudi Arabia. They don't have a rule of law. They don't have an independent judiciary. They don't have strong, you know, environmental regulations. We have all those things. So we should unleash the American energy sector. And instead, he declared war on it. And him and his Democratic allies. I've seen it on the Oversight Committee repeatedly. The first day he was in office, he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline. Right. Mary, we'd have about 830,000 barrels of oil a day just from Keystone. Then that first week, he said no more permits for leases on federal lands and waters. And then he's been dragging his feet as administration on issuing permits for exports for liquefied natural gas. So they have absolutely vilified the American energy sector, which we should be supporting fully. And we wouldn't be seeing five and six dollar uh, five and six dollar gasoline prices. Yeah. Now. And it, out in California, it's going even higher. So along those lines, I don't know if you saw, saw this story and I apologize if you have not. But the Interior Secretary, Deb Halen, vowed during a Senate hearing on May 19th, as according to Fox News, to issue a legally mandated program that outlines the proposed offshore lease sales over the next five years. Now, this is something that is under the Outer Continental Shelf Lands Act of 1953. And every 10 years, you have to put out this plan. And she said, we're going to do it by Thursday, right? So it's gonna, it was going to happen Thursday. On Wednesday, they confirmed that they were on track to issue the plan by yesterday and then they missed the deadline so so they well, missed the deadline and it was pushed back for unknown reasons so now there are they, there's no new lease oil leases there's no you know this is either it's either at right at best mismanagement at worst a conspiracy to a, they they have gone there what joe biden has done and his crew has just constantly catered to the far left. He just takes left turn after left turn after left turn like a NASCAR driver. I mean, he just doesn't sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to do what's in the best interest of the American people. I'm going to put America first. He's always consistently putting America last. He does it with the economy. He does it with uh, with energy, and he's doing it with the border. Yeah, and we're going to talk about that. The most recent plan, which went into effect in 2017, expi- excuse me, it's every five years, expired yesterday without the plan Offshore lease sales, which produced more than 1.7 million barrels of oil per day last year, cannot be held. So I can't figure out if they're incompetent or brilliant because they feign their incompetence. Uh, incompetence is maybe devious. I think both. They're probably guilty on both counts there. But what we're going to see is a massive, not a red wave in November. We're going to see a red tsunami because, unfortunately, and I hate to say this because I'm pretty much an internal optimist, but just the reality of it is things are not going to get any better over the next six months. And he's doubled down on his uh, his corrupt and, uh, you know, short-sighted policies. And he's going to hear from the American people in a few months. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I'm cautiously optimistic with that one because no, if I am not a registered Republican, I don't belong to a party. 
But I will tell you, I will never underestimate the Republicans' ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I mean, there's always somebody who trips right before the goal line and everybody piles up behind him. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but there's a lot of time for Republicans to mess it up between now and then. I'm sorry. (laughs) They don't fight. They don't fight. (laughs) And this is why, you know, the new breed of our class is almost 50 strong of Republicans, freshman Republicans in the House. And we have a lot of talent. In fact, we have five people that were foreign born. One Ukrainian, uh, now that's an American, of course, uh, Cuban, two Koreans, and Mexican. So I mean, we're, we look like America, and there's a lot of ability and talent, a lot of true conservatives. I'm a conservative first. I'm, I happen to run as a Republican because that's the home for most conservatives. Mm-hmm. The, the Democrats don't welcome conservatives any longer. So um, it, it's more consistent with that. But I think if you're a conservative first, you're humble, you, can, you listen to your constituents, and you follow through with the things that you say on the campaign trail, the country will be better off. Yeah, I hope so. Speaking of this, maybe you can, since we kind of touched on it a little bit here. uh, I want to play for you something that Brian Deese said yesterday. And I want to know if you can maybe, um, it's politics ease, um, can can tell me exactly what he is saying here. Here's Brian Deese. Well, what you heard from the president today was a clear articulation of the stakes. This is about the future of the liberal world order, and we have to stand firm. But at the same time, what I'd say to that family and to Americans across the country is you have a president administration that is going to do everything in its power to blunt those price increases and bring those prices down. Uh, Good news, over the last two weeks, we've seen the price of gas at the pump come down about 20 cents, but still unacceptably high. That was on CNN, who has stumbled into journalism somehow. Um, But he said he, he really raised a lot of eyebrows when he said to preserve the liberal world order. What, what, what is that? I, I, that's uh, well, this is what you're getting with Joe Biden after the last year and a half. And that was word vomit. That was like oral regurgitation. That didn't make a lick of sense. It was like Billy Madison. <laughs> you saw that movie. It was, it was just it was gibberish. It was gobbledygook. But, um, but, but that's what they do. They just always word twisting. Yeah, but you have to admit it was brilliant compared to anything that the vice president has uttered. So. Does she speak English? Yeah, she she has definitely uh, definitely lowered the bar. You had mentioned um, in the time we have left here, you had mentioned immigration, and that it is something that I wanted to get to you on. You know, the Supreme Court basically kicked immigration back to Congress and said, you know, the way it was written, it says may, doesn't say shall. And this is one of the things that drives me crazy about Republicans is when they do have the power, they don't necessarily do what they say they're going to do, what needs to be done. Immigration, this could have been cleared up when when Republicans held the presidency, the House and the Senate. When they held Congress and the presidency, they could have cleaned up a lot of this stuff that is now coming back to bite us in the butt. So is Congress, when we're, if Republicans do take everything, hopefully, fingers crossed, in, in uh, November, are we going to see them honestly address this stuff, or are there too many establishment rhinos who don't want to? Well, Mary, that's exactly why I ran for Congress. I mean, I was very happy in the Texas Senate, but I ran because we need more conservatives that will do what they say they're going to do and actually follow through with the conservative principles that will make this country stronger. And uh, that clearly wasn't done when they had – they didn't even build the wall. President Trump was right. obviously in the House and the Senate. And he was ready to rock and roll. And then uh, some of the more establishment rhino types, as you, talk, as you just mentioned, 
I asked him, why didn't you build the wall then? He said, well, we couldn't get it through. Um, we couldn't get it through the Senate filibuster. I said, yeah, I could have. You could have done it through reconciliation. With the, you could put in a spending bill. So don't give me that garbage. You could do it. And we have to. Now, we get the House and Senate back in November. Biden will probably veto it. We don't want to have enough votes to veto or to override the veto. But let him. Let him veto it. And let him have the Democrats defense, defend the indefensible come 2024. But the, the border is so bad that the record number of border crossings, the worst month we have ever had in our history was April which was 234,000, which was 1,258% worse than the last time President Trump was in office in April 2020. But then it was broken in May with 240,000. That was a 930% increase over the two years ago when President uh, Trump was in office. So it's 10 times worse now. The drug cartels are making wild profits. Uh, 107,000 Americans died of opioid overdoses last year. And this president thinks that the border is secure. He hasn't even visited the border and his quote unquote uh, cackling b- b- border czar has only come once. Yeah. It's yeah. Joke. And you have the you have the president of Guatemala complaining that he hasn't heard from her. And when he did, they didn't talk immigration. One quick question. And then I'll, I've got to let you go because I'm running out of time and yeah. I'm going to get yelled yeah. at. Um, <laughs> but there's so many <laughs> questions I want to ask you. Um, so what do you what do you th- why do you think the Democrats are allowing for the lawlessness, the my immigration, et cetera, when they know it's going to lose them in November? They're so committed to their leftist principles. It's like a doctrine. It's an orthodoxy. It's a religion for them. And they just can't move off of it. Most of them uh, can't move off it. The ones that are committed leftist progressives really, truly believe that this country on balance isn't a net positive for the world. And it needs to be, you know, reshaped and, you know, reinvented. You saw Barack Obama say that in 08, that we need to fundamentally change America. I'm like, why? We're the greatest country history has ever known. So it's part of their plan to really, I think, get us into a socialist economy and then a, a really a Marxist one. Yeah, well, it's very scary. Well, I'm glad to see that there are a whole new batch of of congressmen and women who are fighting, who learn from Donald Trump how to fight, who realize the American people want them to fight for them. And that's exactly what we want. And I'm sorry, but the Mitch McConnell's, the Kevin McCarthy's, not so much. And it's going to be hard to to overcome that. Uh, Congressman Pat Fallon, thank you very much. Have a wonderful Fourth of July holiday. And thank you for joining me. Thank you, Mary. God bless you, and take care. You too. All right, coming up, another pregnancy center hit with a Molotov cocktail. We will tell you where on The Guy Benson Show. Guy Benson will be right back. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. Another pregnancy center was was targeted with a Molotov cocktail-type device. Uh, and Jane's Revenge Graffiti, uh, this one in Nashville, the Hope Clinic for Women. I'm sorry, but, you know, the, the we have the FBI doing morning raids, you know, 5 o'clock in the morning on people who they think were at the Capitol on uh, on January 6th and with drones and planes and, you know, flash grenades and all this other stuff because they think. You look like the guy in this picture. Uh, it, it just costing taxpayers millions and millions of dollars. We can't find these people. H- how is that? Or is it because you can't find something for which you are not looking, right? 
That's what I think is happening here. Uh, the Hope Clinic for Women is described as a pro-life resource center. It was hit early yesterday morning in the first act of vandalism in Nashville as seen related to the U.S. Supreme Court abortion decision. They responded to a burglar alarm at the facility at 1.38. Upon arrival, they discovered that a front window had been smashed and an unignited cocktail Molotov cocktail-type device was inside. Spray-painted on the side of the building were the words, Jane's Revenge. You know, it would be interesting. And I'm not saying you do this. I'm not saying that at all. But when they leave calling cards like that, how easy is it for another group to use that calling card against them? You know, to like an abortion clinic, but right, Jane's Revenge. You know, they don't think ahead. And I'm not saying anybody should do that because this is not how you get your idea across. This, I think, alienates more people than anything else. Very quickly, though, it's, it's, it, we shouldn't be talking about this because Nancy Pelosi is reminding us about why... We shouldn't politicize this. Well, let me just say this. A woman has a right to choose, to live up to her responsibility. It's up to her, her doctor, her family, her husband, her, her significant other, and her God. Uh, th- this talk of politicizing all of this, I think, is something uniquely American and not right. Other countries, Ireland, Italy, Mexico have had legislate uh, initiatives uh, to expand a woman's right uh, to choose very Catholic countries. I'm a very Catholic person, <laughs> and I believe in every woman's right to make her own decisions. Any other questions on another subject? Because I'm not going to be talking about that anymore. When someone has to tell you that they're a very Catholic person, or I'm a really good person, or I'm, I'm, not, you know, I'm not this or I'm that, be very careful. She's selling way too hard. I got news. I am shocked that Nancy Pelosi doesn't burst into flames when she receives communion. Because by all rights, she should. Not a bishop. I don't get to make the rules. But the fact that she's allowed to uh, receive communion in some areas is just disgusting. But we shouldn't politicize this, right? But they politicize everything. Everything. But they don't want this politicized at all. And then she talks about these countries. What was it? 47 out of 50 European countries have stricter abortion uh, uh, controls, harsher restrictions than most of the pro-abortion states in the United States. Most countries in Europe do not allow abortion after 15 weeks, and in some, it is 12 weeks. So all these people who are talking about Europe, if they actually went to Europe, I think they might be shocked to find out that, oh, wait... You mean I can't kill my baby because it's after 12 weeks or it's after it's after 15 weeks? There's, she's just a horrible person. She's a terrible, horrible person. And she's wealthy. She should get dentures that fit. Just saying implants might do her well. That's all, that's all I'm saying. All right, more coming up. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. From the most powerful city in the world, unconventional talk from a fresh, unconventional conservative, Guy Benson Show. Well, hi there. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. 
on this start of a wonderful holiday weekend. Beautiful day out today. I guess it all depends on where you are. But where I am right now, it's a beautiful day, so I'm very happy. As I said, I'm Mary Walter. Um, I do, if you want to catch me, I have a podcast on Thursdays, 7.15. Go to YouTube or Getter. It's on both of those. And if you go to YouTube, look for Mary Walter Radio. There will not be a new one this this coming Thursday, though, but all Thursdays. And um, I will be back in for Guy on Tuesday, so I'm very excited about that. Let's go to a guest now. Let's talk. We've got a lot to talk about here with Tom Bevin. He is the co-founder and the president of RealClearPolitics.com. You can find him on Twitter at Tom Bevin RCP. Tom, thank you for taking the time to join me. How are you? Absolutely, Mary. Great to be with you. Yeah, great to talk to you as well. There is so much to talk to you about. Um, Biden's approval rating has slipped to the lowest level in months. It, it's not, it, depending on the poll, it's not his lowest, according to Reuters, but it is darn close to his lowest. He's just kind of like bouncing around the 30s like a pachinko ball. Um, what's, what's happening? And, and what is the breakdown do you, you know, with independence? I mean, Republicans think he's doing a terrible job, but he's losing independence. What does that say about the state of the country? Well, he just hit the lowest level ever in our real clear politics average. Oh, okay. The uh, 29th of June, he was at 38%, and his disapproval was at its highest rating ever in our average, which is 57.5. Today, as of today, it ticked back up to 38.4 and and down to 56.9. So he's a little bit off of his all-time lows. But to your point, uh, pretty much every every poll has him between 35 and 41%. He still has about 80 percent approval among uh, Democrats, but he is underwater significantly among independents, significantly among young voters. And probably perhaps most importantly, um, he is significantly underwater uh, among Hispanic voters. Uh, The Quinnipiac poll that was taken the 17th through the 20th of June had him underwater by about 25 points among Hispanics. So. He has – in fact, there are only two demographics that give Joe Biden majority approval at this point. One are self-identified Democrats and the other African-American voters. Every other demographic, he, he is getting less than majority approval. And so I think that speaks to the trouble that, that he's in. Uh, the public just has sort of lost confidence in his ability to lead, I think. Uh, and certainly given where the economy is, that is the number one issue among all voters, um, and, and he hasn't you know, his approval rating on that score is even lower. And so I think he's just, um, it's effectively a vote of no confidence by, by a vast majority of the public. So there's so much to unpack here. I understand the Hispanic voters leaving him because, and the Democrats have taken them for granted, thinking that, oh, well, you come to the country illegally, you're going to vote Democrat, which I'm not quite what the, sure what that says about their voters. Uh, if you're here illegally, vote for us, or, or came illegally, vote for us. But but Hispanic voters, for the most part, tend to be more conservative. They tend to be more family-oriented, definitely tend to be more religious. So you can see where they would start to move away from the Democrat Party. But I don't understand the appeal to the African-American community because in my brain, the the Democrats have some of the most racist policies I've ever seen when it comes to to black people in this country. Why can't they see that? Well, I mean, there are a lot of reasons historically that uh, at least, you know, in the in the last um half century or so that uh that 
African Americans have voted overwhelmingly. I mean, obviously they were overwhelmingly in favor of Obama, but the, I mean, the shift is less. It, it it actually is less among racial lines than it is among economic lines. These are the folks who are shifting toward Republicans are are more working class, regardless of your color, right? Who who are suffering under this administration, under their policies, right? Whether it's gas prices, it's it's the cost of things at the grocery store. I mean, yes, your point is well taken that that. Hispanic Americans are generally more conservative on uh, some some social based issues, uh, but that's true even among certain sections of the African American electorate. Um, so I think I think the biggest thing for the Biden administration is they've lost touch with the working class, regardless of color, regardless of race, um, regardless of ethnicity, and, and that is proving to be a real problem. And the Republicans have now become the party of the working class, which. Uh, you know that is a shift that has taken taken place almost entirely under Donald Trump's watch yeah. and his policies that he put forward back in the 2015-2016 election. And here's the other part of this. And, and again, I may be looking at this wrong, but you look at our inner cities where these people live. And people are dying and being shot for no reason whatsoever other than they just happen to be walking down the street and somebody felt like killing them. And the people who are dying more than anybody else in our inner cities are the black people, right? They're the ones who are the most likely to be a victim of these, of this, of these crime waves. It's horrible, especially the homicide rate. And then crossing the border with the open border, who's dying in these, in these caravans? Who's dying in these trucks when they're being smuggled and when there's car chases and everything else? It's people of color. Yet the Democrats don't address this at all, and then those communities turn around and support them. Not as we said, not so much the Hispanic community anymore. But but again, I'm just fascinated by the support of the African American community when they can't walk out their door for fear of being killed. Well, I will say this too: uh, the the last Quinnipiac poll that I mentioned that was taken in mid June, Biden's approval rating with African Americans was about 56 percent. In the poll before that, it was under. Uh, 50%, which is the first time I've ever seen that for any Democratic president ever, um, you know, in, in since I've been doing this. I mean, typically, uh, you know, Democratic presidents get 75, 80, 90% approval ratings among African-Americans. So I, I think uh, there are plenty of African-Americans as well who are suffering under Joe Biden's policies and who are taking another look at, at the Republican Party um, because the Biden administration honestly isn't they aren't doing enough to address the economic issues. And and the administration sort of made that clear uh, this week as Biden was overseas. I mean, they said two things, which just astonished me. He said, Biden said that Americans will, you know, have to pay higher prices as long as it takes until the war in Ukraine is won. And then his economic advisor, Brian Deese, said that, uh, you know, that this was all about preserving the liberal world order. I just don't think that those are messages that, that are going to play well in an election where inflation and the economy are the number one issue by far over anything else. Um, that is not a winning message. It's not a winning strategy for Democrats. And so I think they're going to continue to suffer politically because of it. So what, do, what is your prediction for the midterms? I'm curious. Well, I think Republicans will definitely take the House. Um, and I think they're the favorites to take the Senate. I mean, I do think uh, as we get closer to the election, you will see some of and, – and obviously we get through the primary season – um, I think you'll see Republicans start to, to expand their leads in some of these states um, in the Senate. And again, Republicans are up about two and a half points in the generic ballot right now in the real clear politics average. 
Um, we've seen some polls, though, that have – there was a poll out this more, uh, this week that showed Raphael Warnock leading Herschel, Warsh, Herschel Walker in Georgia. Yes. Um, now, that seems to be a bit of an outlier. But, again, I do think there will be a race, uh, one or, or perhaps more, where a Republican candidate, despite the fact that Joe Biden's job approval rating in those states, whether it's Arizona or Georgia or New Hampshire, is in the low 30s. Um, you know, Republicans may have a candidate that is not able to get themselves across the finish line, but I think by and large they'll have enough margin there to, to win back the Senate that they only really need to take a net gain of, of one seat to, to take control. So I think they'll, I think they'll get there, but it's a, it's a much tougher road for them than it is uh, to win back the House, which they essentially have. I mean, at this point, if everything the election were held today, um, they'd win the House easily. Yeah, well, this time in 2020, uh, in, in 2020, I also thought Trump was going to win e- easily, too. So there's that. Um, <laughs> speaking of Donald Trump, um, he was asked, he did an interview on uh, Newsmax TV, Wake Up America with Rob Finnerty. And I just want to play this quick uh, clip for you. He was asked uh, about 2024. And here's what he said. Could you envision a world, sir, uh, where there is a Trump DeSantis ticket? In 2024? Well, I get along with him. I was very responsible for his success because I endorsed him and he went up like a rocket ship. And then he went on to talk about other people that he endorsed. And it's true. The Trump bump is definitely still there. It may be waning a little bit, but the Trump bump is still there. Do you think that after the midterms, Trump announces that he's running? I suspect he's going to. Um, I think – I mean, listen, the nomination is his if he wants it. I mean, there was an Emerson poll out this, this morning that showed him, even with DeSantis in the race, he leads DeSantis by 35 points. So this idea that Ron DeSantis is going to you know, challenge him and displace him as the, as the you know, standard bearer for the Republican Party, the data doesn't support that at all. I think if Trump runs, he wins the nomination easily. And then he's on to a, a general election, you know, against either Biden or Kamala Harris or someone else. Um, so it's as if he wants it. He seems to be giving all sorts of indications that he, he is going to run again. But again, even his closest advisors couldn't tell you what he's going to do because he's Donald Trump and, and <laughs> he'll make his decision when he wants to. And, and, and that'll be that. But, uh, but it certainly is um, it's certainly his for the taking if he decides that's something he wants to do. So if he announces that he's going to run, does Ron DeSantis challenge him and primary him, or does Ron DeSantis back off? I see no reason for Ron DeSantis to do that. He's a young guy. He's well-liked within the party. Um, you know, going through a bruising battle and getting beaten up by Trump every single day is, is not good for your political prospects. So I think it would be better to, for him. He can wait. He can wait and run against, you know, whoever Trump's VP is. I don't think Ron DeSantis would be his VP. That's not a – it's not a very good job either. Uh, no, no. You know, he'd be better off to stay as governor of Florida and just sort of wait it out and run against whoever, you know, if, if Trump picks someone else and he wins. Um, DeSantis says all the time in the world he's got political capital that he can continue to build. So I, I, I just think it would be a suicide mission and one that he doesn't need. And I think he's smart enough to see that. 
Right. Now, so so along those lines, let me ask you about the January 6th committee and what is happening with that committee. And this is what the Democrats have done since the the moment Trump came down that escalator and even before. They have done nothing but smear, 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 smear. And it sticks a certain amount of it. You can wash a certain amount off. But, you know, the accusations always on page one above the fold and the retractions always in, you know, on page 28 at the bottom in a, in a little tiny two paragraph uh, blurb. So some of it does stick. Some of the smear against Trump has stuck and has and they've been very, very good at doing that Uh, Can they continue to do this? And does the January 6th smear, which is how I see it, is that sticking to him? Well, I mean, there are two aspects to this. One is that I really don't think, you know, this is a classic case of Washington and the media elites hyper-focused, hyper-obsessed on on something that the rest of the public is not paying attention to and really doesn't care that much about, right? This testimony by Cassie Hutchinson, and everyone was like, oh, this is a game-changer, you know, this is devastating for Trump, and I, I just don't think that, I mean, being based outside of Washington, which is one of the benefits of, of real clear politics, we're in, in Chicago, um, is, you know, that's not what people are talking about. Um, so I don't think it's having the effect that Democrats think. That being said, and I don't think they're going to prosecute him. I think that would be, you know, a, a stretch and an overreach and probably backfire, as I think some of this stuff on the committee is perhaps backfiring on Democrats. That being said, if, if the Democrats, um, you know, if they're trying to get Republican voters uh, to, to sort of shy away from Trump, that, you know, even folks who are Trump supporters – are you know I've heard and, and talked to donors and operatives and and you know regular people who who like Trump and support Trump they will vote for him if he runs, but you know they're reminded if they, they had Trump fatigue and all the drama it is right back in their face, um, and and I think some folks would like to see the party move on from that and have all of his policies without all of the drama that goes along with him in particular. That's right. the appeal of Ron DeSantis because he's the one who sort of represents that in the most effective way, most effective package. So um, now maybe that, maybe that's having a little bit of an effect, but again, it's yeah. July, 2022. Donald Trump will make his decision four or five months from now. This is going to be in the rearview mirror by a long way at that point. So I'm not sure if it's going to do that either. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, listen, I love the guy. I, I would, I would support him if he ran, but I also would be okay with, you know, Ron DeSantis with Donald Trump being the kingmaker behind the scenes, because as you said, it's, it's, it's less of the drama. Tom Bevan, co-founder, president of realclearpolitics.com. Thank you for joining me. And I would also like to say, check out Real Clear Investigations uh, as well, because um, really fantastic website as well. So two really great sources. So thank you for that and have a fantastic fourth. Thanks, Mary. Same to you. Thank you so much. Coming up, let's talk about Justice Katanji Brown-Jackson and Good Morning America. It's coming up on The Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk. Guy Benson Show. Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson with you on this beautiful Friday. Uh, So Good Morning America tweeted out praising 
the swearing in of Ketanji Brown Jackson onto the Supreme Court yesterday. She was sworn in officially uh, 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 because Justice Stephen Breyer is retiring and he did the swearing and she was welcomed into the court by Justice John Roberts and, and Breyer was there and everything. And they tweeted out, Ketanji Brown Jackson is sworn in as the first black Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. I was like, really? Really? She's officially the third black person to sit on the Supreme Court. The first one was Thurgood Marshall, who was got onto the Supreme Court in 1967. 1967, but nobody knows any history. And then Clarence Thomas. Now, this could have been, I saw this, I'm like, oh, this is a total swipe at Clarence Thomas because the left hates Clarence Thomas. They, the, the racism that has been on display from the left because of Clarence, they, because they just hate Clarence Thomas. It, it's crazy. The words I have seen hurled at him on, on Twitter by white people calling him racist and the N word and other words uh, is just disgusting. So I figured, okay, so they're trying to erase Clarence Thomas. Like he doesn't exist. Cause that's what they do to you. If they don't like you, like they're, you know, they're like a, a, a toddler, go away. You're mean. And they don't want anything to do with you. Um, and they did the same thing on their YouTube account. Katanji Brown Jackson sworn in as the first black Supreme court justice in us history. The tweet was deleted almost five hours later. It took them five hours to figure it out. And then the YouTube video was corrected uh, just after that. Correction. Video shows Katanji Brown Jackson sworn in as the first black female Supreme Court justice in U.S. history. A previous tweet erroneously stated Jackson is the first black Supreme Court justice. But this is what happens when your life is about identity politics. Everything is seen through the lens of identity right? That's what happens. That's why look at our identity hiring, identity politics got us our vice president who was hired because she met, she's a black woman, right? We heard that's what he was going to hire. He was, he was getting a black woman who's a running mate and that's what it got us. And when they do things like this, they're all, they're so focused on skin color and everything else that they fall all over themselves. I can't wait for the tweet that says, you know, first hiring based on uh, qualifications instead of skin color and gender or whichever gender you happen to be. And of course they got slammed on Twitter because Twitter is a horrible place, but they got slammed on Twitter, rightfully so. Coming up, Tom Bevan, the co-founder. Oh, excuse me. We just talked to Tom Bevan. Tom Homan. It's another Tom. Tom Homan, the former acting director of ICE, will be joining us next on The Guy Benson Show. Talking about the issues you care about. Guy Benson. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy with you on this Friday. Joining us now is Tom Homan. He's the former acting director of U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And when he was doing it, they actually did enforce it. Uh, he's a visiting fellow at the Heritage Foundation. Tom, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. Boy, do we miss you. Let me tell you. Uh, you actually did your job and you actually enforced the laws that were supposed to be enforced on, on the border. Um I'm going to want to go to the Supreme Court, how the Supreme Court has has, you know, changed the game right now. But um, the job that Mayorkas is doing at this point, I hear a lot of talk from Republicans that he's not doing his job and he should be impeached. Do you feel that what he is doing or not doing at this point is would be something that would be impeachable? 
Yes, I do. And I met with out of about 125 GOP congressmen. We were briefing them on the plan to resecure the border, that they need to push legislation if they take back Congress, which I think they will. But, uh, yeah, we talked about at that at that, uh, at that seminar, and I, I was pretty clear. If you don't impeach him, then, then you guys you know, are just as bad. I mean, he has violated his oath, but what's, what, he's done, what he has done is because of the open borders, he's put this country at great risk. It is a national security issue. I mean, when 70% of border patrol agents are pulled from the line to process this crisis, uh, that leaves the border wide open. That's why there's so much fentanyl come across to kill over 100,000 people. That's why they got 800,000 gotaways on camera that they couldn't go get because no one was there. They couldn't. They were busy processing and changing diapers. And look, they arrested 50 people on the terror uh, on the FBI screening database. If they arrested uh, 50, how many of the 800,000? Are, are suspected terrorists because I tell you, Border Patrol has arrested people from 161 different countries. Some of those countries sponsor terrorism. So I've, I've said it over and over again. If, you, if people think not a single one of those 800,000 gotaways came here to do us harm, then they're ignorant to the data. And that's the 800,000 gotaways that we know about because they're on camera, drone traffic, or sensor traffic. We don't know what we don't know if they're, if they're crossing in an area where there's not a sensor or a camera, like, you know, Big Bend, Big Bend National Park. There's no, no technology there, and there's places in Arizona there's absolutely no technology. Matter of fact, Tucson, Arizona, leads Texas in the number of gotaways it's just because they don't have the technology and they, they don't have the manpower. So Secretary Mayorkas, has, because he hasn't stood up and told the White House, no, he is a part of the problem. This country is less safe under his leadership. It's a national security issue they, they created. And if he's not going to address it, he absolutely he should be impeached. And it's not just him. It's the vice president as well. The Guatemalan president uh, said that he has not spoken to Kamala Harris since January. Uh, he said the last communication he had with Harris was a phone call in January, and it was not focused on immigration. He said, she told me she didn't want me to appoint my attorney general. We didn't talk about human trafficking. That was the only time I spoke to her since she went to Guatemala, and the topic was not immigration. I do think that we need greater communication between the government of the United States and our government, at least. So it seems as if this is purposeful, at least that's what I think. Why would the the Democrats want, you know, so far, I think it's we're up to almost, what, 3 million people that we are estimating have crossed the border illegally since Joe Biden has become president. And so you can imagine how many more we're going to get in the next couple of years. What is the end game for Democrats with this? By the end of this fiscal year, we have, we'll have well over, well over 5 million if you count the gotaways. That's, that's, it's just incredible. And Kamala Harris, if she wants to find the root causes of this problem, all she got to do is walk down the hall to the Oval Office. She'll find the root causes right there. It's in signing 90 executive orders, getting rid of everything the Trump administration did. But look, I don't understand why anybody would want to open a border because when you open a border like you did to uh, immigration, you also open the border to drug flow and people that want to do us harm. So it's, it's, it's stupid. And I think they perceive a future political benefit because I've said it before. You know, one of, one of the things Biden did when he was signing those 90 executive orders. He also signed an executive order overturning the Trump census rule. So these millions of people they're letting in will be counted in the next census. What does that mean? That means well, most of them will be going to you know, L.A., New York. They'll be going to sanctuary cities. So when they get counted in the census, what does that mean? More seats in the House for the Democrats. 
So they're thinking this for perpetual power. They also think they're future Democratic voters. They also are going to push for amnesty. You know, you, you know the amnesty right now, they want to push anybody that's been here since 2020. You wait. They'll rewrite that plan. It's going to be anybody entered in the, uh, after, uh, before 2022. That's their plan. Their plan is they think they perceive a future political benefit of, of maintaining control of Congress. I, there's no other reason. And no congressman should want to, you know, over 100,000 Americans die from drugs that come across the border because 70% of border collisions are on the line. I don't think any of the congressmen want to see, you know, no inspected terrorists come across the uh, border, but they have. So, you know, they're, they're paying a big price for their for future power, and it's just disgusting. Their number one concern should be the safety, security, and sovereignty of this country, but it's not. Well, let me ask you, though, do the Republicans really have the guts to do what needs to be done? And I say that because they've had control in the past. They've had the ability in the past to codify law, make it make make laws that would prevent a lot of what is happening here. And they don't do it. And I think that's because a lot of them are into, you know, the big businesses who want the cheap labor uh, coming coming in. Uh, and so it behooves them when it comes to lobbying, et cetera, in order to have this unfettered flow of constant labor coming into this country. So I think it all sounds good. I just doubt the Republicans' backbone and will from especially the entrenched leadership to do this. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, you know, the first two years under Trump, you know, they, those never Trumpers in the Republican Party. When we had the, the House and the Senate and the White House, we actually got some great things done. So it took President Trump the third and fourth year to actually secure that border and, and push those policies for us because he was fighting members of Congress, plus he was fighting the courts. But look, that meeting I told you about, we're sitting down with 125 members of the GOP. It was me, Mark Morgan, and, and, and Joe Eglow from, we all, you know, we're, we're on the Trump administration. We handed them a two page roadmap. So everything's in there. It's that we should, we gave them a roadmap how to secure the border. It's basically the Trump policies. We also told you you got to legislate three things. You got to you got to close the loop on asylum cases because ninety percent of Central Americans claim asylum at the border and never get released. You know, of course, they simply don't qualify. So make that first interview at the border closer to the to the to the threshold that the judges use, so they're not released and, and, and lose their case later and never leave. The second loophole we ask them to close is a family uh, Florida settlement agreement. Let us hold families in a family residential center until they see a judge. We did that under the Obama administration, and, and when 90% lost the case, we put them in an airplane and sent them home. The numbers went down. Then the Ninth Circuit Court said you can't hold them more than 20 days, and it usually takes 40 to see a judge. So they need to fix that so we hold hold these families not released until they see a judge. And the third thing we asked them to do is you know, change the Trafficking Victims Protection Act. It, has, it was good intent, but right now, if you're a child from Mexico and you enter the country illegally and you're, it's ascertained that you're not a victim of trafficking, and he's immediately moved to Mexico. However, if you're from Central America and we ascertain you're not a victim of trafficking, you're allowed in the United States and you're put in a multi-year process. So we're asking the closest loophole, treat children from other countries the same you treat children from Mexico. If they're not a victim of trafficking, return them to their home government or to, to their families. So that's a three. If they close those three loopholes, you would stop 85% of illegal immigration because that's who most is coming across that border. Yeah. Well, I, I just hope they have the guts to do it. I, I don't have a lot of time left with you. Do you, the Supreme Court ruling, how has that affected the ability to keep the border closed or to close the border? It's making a lot worse because now the numbers are going to go higher. And when the numbers go higher, that means they're going to pull more border agents off the line. So they're going to go from 70 cents to 90 percent. And when you do that, the result of that decision is more drugs are going to get 
cross that border with, with no no seizure, more more people no more gotaways and more bad guys. You know the criminals and, and the drug dealers they don't want to be caught. They're not turning themselves into the border patrol. They're waiting till the border patrol is overrun and in these facilities processing. Right. This decision is going to cause more aliens to come across the border, and which is going to pull pull, pull more border agents off the line, which makes this country a hell of a lot lot uh, less safer than it is right now. We're not safe now. This decision is going to make us even less safe. Yeah. The other thing, Real Clear um, Investigations has a really interesting piece about uh, what the federal government is turning a total blind eye to is the skyrocketing amount of people, Americans, millions and millions of Americans who are having their identity stolen because if they want to work legally, they have to present some kind of, of ID, some kind of, you know, a social security number. So they either make it up out of thin air and they can make up yours, just happens that they make up yours, or they're buying them off the dark web or from the smugglers, very easy to get. And the American citizens are left holding the bag and some of them have their lives ruined. They, you know, the mortgages, they can't get jobs and it's impossible to try to straighten it out and you can't get a new social security number. How is it that the federal government wants to keep this going? You know, I'm with you. You know, we tried to address that during Trump administration. Of course, if you would have got reelected, uh, we were working with the Social Security Administration to close those loopholes. There's a lot of loopholes at the Social Security Administration. Matter of fact, you know, if, if someone does that and they're uncovered at a job site and they use someone else's identity, they're in the country legally, Social Security don't notify ICE. Right. Now, think about that. You know, you hear someone committed a felony. Uh, one branch of the federal government knows about it. They're violating their law, and, and they won't call ICE so they can go arrest them and, and put them in immigration proceedings. So we can address it. I, I'm confident 2024 we're going to take back the White House. If the right guy gets a job, I'm coming back. And we're going to fix a lot of things we didn't get done on the Trump administration. First of all, we're going to dust off the plans we did to Trump. We're going to put all the board policies back in place. And there, there's a list of things we're working on. We're going to rekindle, and that's one of them, and we'll be all over it. We will hold Social Security responsible. And for those who steal identities, they'll be prosecuted and removed. You know, I love that. I just hope that I, I saw what the swamp did the last time around and just how they, they stonewalled every single step of the way. And um, I think we have a lot of un- unelected bureaucrats and just, just you know, workers, you know, be the, the bees, the drones, who are so anti right. anything that President Trump would want to do if should he be reelected, that I fear that we're going to have a, another four years of a lot of great promises and nothing is going to be able to be get, get done. And I'm not saying that would be Trump's fault or whomever's fault. I think that that's just the swamp. And uh, that really makes me sad. Tom Homan, thank you so much. Again, thank you for your service, because when you had the job, things were so much more under control. And I, and I know you did a lot of hard work, and we were a much better country for it. So thank you so much, and have a great fourth. All right. Thank you, Rodney. 833-456-1300, 833-456-1300. And if you go to foxnews.com, uh, you can catch Tom Homan's piece that he wrote there about Biden's open open border policies. So I, I want to talk to you. The last thing I talked to him about was this um, piece in Real Clear Investigations about the feds ignoring illegal alien ID theft. And I want to know if you ever had your identity stolen and to what degree. Happened to my husband. Could not get a new social security number. It was a nightmare. Um, and and I, I, we don't, I don't know who it was, but um, a 
apparently, well, I'll tell you the story when we come back, but I want to hear your stories. 833-456-1300. Have you ever had your identity stolen? And if you had, you're in good company because you'd be shocked at the number of Americans who have had to go through this. I'm Mary Walter. You're listening to The Guy Benson Show. The Guy Benson Show. More next. There is no way you can walk this tightrope in any manner. It's not closed. It's not secure. And they don't care, Shannon. Uh, you know, they, we had this 52 poor souls die in the back of that 18-wheeler. And I've been saying this for years in my speeches. No one should have to come to America and die in the back of an 18-wheeler to get here. We need legal immigration reform, obviously. But the Biden administration never takes accountability for everything. And so many of his policies end in death. I mean, we've had people drowned in the river. We've had babies dropped over walls. Yeah, and and you just see this over and over again. That was the lieutenant governor of Texas, Dan Patrick. Um, and, and it's, these people are dying. And I'm, t- I, I'm, I'm mortified when you see this, you know, 50 some odd people in the, in the back of this truck and they die because they were just left to die on the side of the road, which I don't understand. Clearly I'm missing something because I would think if you know, the border is open and you can just walk across, why wouldn't you do that unless you don't have the ability to do so? And I'm not quite sure what the reasoning is, but, um, this is what we're doing in this country. This is our immigration policy. And as I was just speaking, we were just speaking with Tom Holman, the former acting director of ICE. One of the side effects that affects all of us, if it's, if it's not in your town and so you're like, yeah, it's not really affecting me just yet is it, it does affect a lot of people in a lot of ways because millions and millions of Americans are having their identities stolen. And, and you see the uptick in identity theft as we, as we have more and more illegals crossing the border and coming in to this country, they need credentials to work. So real clear investigations, Mark Hemingway and Ben Weingarten did this incredible report review and they went into this and they, they dug through records and they talked, they tried to talk to uh, government agencies. And I want to know if you've ever had your identity stolen or someone, you know, had their identity stolen. I told you it happened to my husband years and years and years ago. So this was, this was many moons ago. Um, and there was nothing he could do about it. And he found out because his Amex card uh, said, Hey, you made an unusual transaction. And, you know, we find out that someone was having all these packages delivered to an abandoned house on Route 1 uh, Street Road in Philadelphia. And then we started getting junk mail in the guy's name, which my husband was like, you know, okay, this just adds insult to injury, right? Like at this point of the game, really, we're getting junk mail in this guy's name now. Um, but, and there was nothing he could do. So the best he could do was just put a warning on his um, credit so that if anyone tried to open up a credit card in his name or anything like that, he would get um, a, a warning and he, they, he would have to be called and then he would have to say yes or no. So he couldn't just go into a store and open up a credit card. He couldn't do that because it had to go through this process. But he couldn't get a new Social Security number from the federal government. And what they found out here in this investigation is really, really interesting. And I highly recommend you delve into it because it's, it's pretty long and in depth, but I'll share some of it with you. They say that they did an extensive review of government reports, think tank research, news accounts, and interviews with policymakers and scholars. And they found that the problem involves millions of people, but they can't measure it with precision because of lack of data provided by government authorities. 
The Social Security Administration has something called an ESF, an earnings suspense file. Now, the earnings suspense file, the ESF, reflects the earnings of employees whose W-2 wage and tax statements have names and Social Security numbers that don't match up. Okay, so they get flagged. The total has increased tenfold from one hundred and eighty eight point nine billion at in in 2000 to one point nine trillion in 2021. So these are earnings that have been flagged. These are these are um, excuse me, these are uh, monies that have been flagged because of this earnings suspense file. Now, their officials have historically said that they have a high, a high proportion of the file's growth to wages reported by illegal immigrants, an estimated 11.5 million today, 7 million of whom are employed. They're using someone's Social Security number. And it is so bad, they spoke to, to different people and, uh, in, who, in the know who were saying pretty much every American Social Security number has been compromised in some way, but they don't tell you. So if your Social Security number gets flagged somewhere along the line, they don't tell you. And that's part of the problem. All right, I've got some calls here. Hang on. I will, I'll take you on the other side here, so don't go anywhere. 833 456 1300 is my number. Want to know if you have ever had your identity stolen or someone you know had your identity stolen because some of the stories in this article are just unbelievable. I'm Mary Walter, and you're listening to The Guy Benson Show. It's 5 o'clock in the most powerful city in the world, Washington, D.C. It's time for the Guy Benson Show Happy Hour, sponsored by the Finnish Long Drink. Finland's most popular alcoholic beverage has come to America. Visit thelongdrink.com. And now, here's your host, Guy Benson. Yes, I am Mary Walter, sitting in for Guy Benson. We will get to the Happy Hour ASAP. He got some fun stuff to talk about. 833-456-1300. But we were just talking about whether you've ever had your identity stolen. Real Clear Investigations has done a really in-depth look at the Americans who have had their identity stolen by their social security number. Because if someone is here illegally and wants to work legally, they either just make up a social security number, they just come up with the numbers, or they buy them with the person's name from, um, you, know, you know, on the black market, there's a whole bunch of people that'll sell them. But sometimes I think it's part of the travel package that you're, you know, if you're in Guatemala or wherever you happen to be and you're, you're coming to the United States, you know, they have all these caravans and they're organized. They all have matching T-shirts, some of them, and uh, they feed them along the way. So, and they bust them and, and, and et cetera. And I would not be surprised with along with that, when you pay the smuggler, you get papers. So a lot of Americans having their identities stolen but a lot of these seized assets, the, these earnings be, are being are funding a lot of American programs because, especially Social Security, that those those funds are seized by the Social Security Administration. So the illegals are working, but that money that is paid out of their taxes gets seized then by Social Security. So they're kind of making money on the deal, and they're not going to help you. Eight three three four five six thirteen hundred. Let's go to California and say hi to Jenna. You are on the Guy Benson Show. Thanks for holding on. Hi, Jenna. Hi. Thanks for having me. Sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So I just 
I just wanted to, I just felt like, um, I was curious. So I've never had my identity theft or stolen. I do worry about it all the time, but I'm, I'm wondering about the correlation between the in uptick in immigration to the uptick of stolen identity. And I come from, you know, farming community in Minnesota and I've seen illegal immigrants working there and I, I feel like you don't even really need an identity actually well, to work. They're working as farmhands, they're, you know, cleaning hotel rooms, they're working in factories. And I feel like once an identity is stolen, it's mostly to take the funds out of there, use it to do something illegal, and then you can't really use that identity anymore once it's been marked as, you know, stolen. So I, I'm, I'm, I would like to learn more about it. Sure. So. Well, the, well, first of all, the, there's a really great article on realclearinvestigations.com. That's where this is from. It's by Mark Hemingway and Ben Weingarten. It's called Willful Blindness. Feds ignore illegal alien ID theft plaguing Americans as U.S. coffers fill. So not all immigrants who come here illegally wind up working illegally. Those who maybe have other skills where they can get a job need a Social Security number in order to work legally. Because then if they their hope is for a lot of them, A, they make better money because they're working at better jobs. So Because remember, not everyone who comes across the border is from the triangle countries or South America and is here who are, and are illiterate in their own language and are coming here just to do menial jobs that the rest of the country doesn't want to do. Uh, there's, they're coming here from over 160 countries. So you have people who are coming here from China, from other, you know, from Europe, from countries from all over the world who may very well speak English and are literate, but can, but can get a better job here. So here they come. And in order to work legally, they need that social security number. So you can buy social security numbers on the black web, on the dark web. They're all out there. How many, how many government agencies, how many um, databases have had leaks where your, your date of birth, your social security number, your name, et cetera, was somehow leaked out onto the internet. It happens, right? It's everywhere. But they estimate that approximately um, 7 million people in the country illegally are currently legally working. They say that well over a million of them are using social security numbers belonging to someone else or that they just made up. Now they can make up a number that happens to match your social security number. And but the the government's making a lot of money from this from these seized assets, the earnings suspense files. So when your employer sends to the government the paperwork saying this is how much money you made and this is what you know we took out in taxes and how much you owe like all goes to the federal government so when so when social security gets their share of this and they look at this and they say okay this name on this social security number doesn't match the name that we have on file for this social security number those assets then that have been paid are seized so the illegals lose money on the deal in that sense, but they're hoping that down the road, should they get some kind of amnesty, they could say, well, look, I paid taxes on this because they know the government's not coming after them for stealing someone's social security number and stealing their identity. They're, we don't prosecute that crime. We just don't. If you're an American and you steal someone's identity, you're going to jail. But if you're in the country illegally stealing someone's identity, you're not going to jail. So it, it's a very complicated uh, system. 
that is at work here. But uh, some illegal immigrants, the Social Security Administration has previously said that 75 percent of illegal immigrants are using fake or stolen numbers that are working. Even those working off the books, providing uh, fake or stolen numbers. Um, And if they're if they're providing a number, think about it. It works for them because if they're paying taxes, even though it is going on someone else's social security number and they're getting saying like, oh, you made all this money, you get your statement from. So you're like, wait, I didn't make this money. What are you talking about? You have to pay taxes on it. If they're here legally, they can still receive reimbursements through deductions and exemptions. And some of them get rebates by refunds, tax credits, even though they're working illegally in the country. So many of them have tax liabilities of nothing or they get a check. So they can actually make out on the deal. It's really crazy. It really truly is. Let's go to Armando and he is in Mississippi. Armando, you're on the Guy Benson Show. Hi. Hey, I, my name's Armando Gonzalez. I'm from Biloxi, Mississippi. I've had my identity social security number stolen 75 times. <gasps> and I've had six members of ISIS come up from South America into the country illegally. I've made complaints. I've tried to file for a new social security number and cannot get it done. Yeah, you can't. You cannot, you cannot have it done. The government doesn't care. They're not going to help you. There's no one you can call to try to have this. So, so what has happened to you? Like now, first, a couple of questions I have. Do you think your identity has been stolen so many times because you have a Hispanic last name? That's exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. I can't. I've, I'm blind now, and I filed for Social Security, and it's been almost two years, and I'm fighting it with an attorney, and cannot get my Social Security benefits because so many people have used my Social Security number. And the government doesn't care, right? No, they could care less. The people in Jackson, Mississippi, say it's still in determination. My attorney says you've got problems because so many people have used your identity. Wow. So has how else has it affected? Has it affected your credit? What else has it affected, if anything, besides your Social oh, no. Security? Yeah, I can't get the, the my EIC for my children. I, I have four adopted children. Has been stolen for the, the last fifteen years. I, I can't even file for it. Um, and you know, we we have zero credit rating with the credit bureau because of the misuse of the Social Security number. That is amazing. How did you find out that your identity had been stolen? Because part of this article, and again, I highly recommend it on Real Clear Investigations, um, they say that a lot of Americans probably don't even realize that their identity has been stolen. They just haven't figured it out yet for whatever reason. It hasn't, it hasn't come back to them yet because the government doesn't notify you. No, they don't. How I found out was a branch manager at the uh, Hancock Whitney Bank called me in my office and told me, please sit down. I've got some news to tell you. And this was three, four years ago, and I'm still fighting it. And I don't think there will ever be a a time that I will ever get a new Social Security number or my Social Security disability benefits. I'm, I'm afraid somebody else is getting my benefits. 
They probably are. According to the Social Security Administration, proof that your Social Security number has been stolen and is being used by someone else isn't sufficient reason to change your Social Security number. You have to prove significant harm as a result. In 2014, the last number that they have here on Real Clear Politics, uh, Real Clear Investigations, because they can't get information from the Social Security Administration, they're being they're stonewalling. They only permitted 250 people in 2014 to change their Social Security number. Uh, now, here, here it is. Uh, Mike Chappell uh, told Far- Far- Forbes, he is a professor of information technology at the University of Notre Dame's College of Business. He said, it's totally reasonable to assume that your social security number has been compromised at least, not, at least once, if not many times. And because they're making money on the deal, the government... They're not going to stop the gravy train because they probably have become dependent on that money because now it's trillions of dollars that they're getting to keep. I am so sorry that this has happened to you, Armando. I really am. And it's it's disgusting and it's really sad. Let's quickly go to. Uh, I hope you have a good weekend, though. Still Fourth of July coming up. I hope you get to celebrate in East Tennessee. Pam, you are on the Guy Benson show. Hi, Pam. Thank you for having me. I have had my identity compromised three times in 12 years. How did you find out? Well, I go over my monthly bank statement every month, and I found out I was sending money to a California prison for somebody's um, <gasps> expenses in the canteen. And then several years later, that was from checking into a hotel in Pennsylvania. Um, a couple of years later, I went to Home Depot and within two, three months, I was sending money to a prison in St. Louis for somebody's <gasps> canteen privileges. And then <laughs> oh my. it got worse. It got worse. Um, I got phone calls from people telling me I was delinquent on my charges and whatnot. And we had not made any of the charges. So we ended up going to an attorney for advice and writing letters and making phone calls and we finally got it cleared up and my husband looked at me and said when's it going to happen next that is unbelievable do you have a hispanic last name I do not. I have you a do not. Okay. name. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I, was, I was just curious because, you know, Armando, the last guy, he said, you know, it's mm-hmm. absolutely because I have a Hispanic name. So he was 100% sure that that's, that's exactly why, because the vast majority of people coming here illegally are, his, are of Hispanic descent. We know that because it's closer. So it makes sense. So that is unbelievable. And there's nothing you can do, you know, to, to, to get a new social security number because, again, the government doesn't care. Pam, thank you for sharing the story, and I'm glad it's cleared up now, but I, I really hope it doesn't happen to you again. Wow. All right, I've got more coming up. We are going to start. We're going to talk about why America rocks. A lot of bad news about America. The left is telling us how trashy America is. America's the worst country in the world. It is the 4th of July, and I want to know why America, though, is still the greatest country in the world, according to you. 833 1300 coming up next on the Guy Benson Show. Fresh conservative talk, Guy Benson Show. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson. We are in the happy hour. And, you know, you hear so much bad news uh, about America, especially if you listen to the left. You know, it's America's horrible. We're on the verge of losing our democracy. They tell me over and over again, I'm like, oh, stop. 
but it's the 4th of July, and I think that I still think this is the best country in the world. I still think this is the best place to live. And I want you to tell me why you're celebrating. Why are you celebrating the 4th of July? Not just not for the barbecue with the friends. Why? Why are you celebrating this country this weekend? 833-456-1300. Now, this comes on the heels of a Fox News poll where they found that pride in the U.S. is down quote, significantly. The poll was released yesterday and they asked registered voters, are you proud of the country today? Only 39% of respondents said yes. June of 2017, it's down 12 points from June of 2017, which was the last time that the question was asked. And it's down 30 points since June of 2011. It was 69% in June of 2011. And it is now 39% in June of 2022. I I don't know why that is. I, I, I don't know. And there's a theory here in the poll in this piece on Fox news that, you know, maybe if your party is not in power, you think America is going to hell in a handbasket because it's your way or the highway. We become so polarized, but you know, the beauty of America to me that I, that I see here with all of this is even though the Democrats are in power and gas is, you know, five plus a gallon and you can't buy baby formula and you go to the grocery store and you don't know if you're going to be able to buy meat. And if you do, are you going to have to take out another mortgage in order to buy it? And, and, and all these other things, at least we try to fix our stuff here in this country, right? When, when we had the pandemic, the silver lining, of the pandemic in this country was that parents actually started to pay attention to what their children were learning in school. And what happened, regardless of a D or an R after their last name, they started going to school board meetings. Some parents for the first time ever started going to school board meetings and started to speak up and started to take control. You can hate the Roe ruling, but you know what it did? It was the ultimate in democracy in this country because the Supreme Court said, no, it's not in the Constitution. What is not in the Constitution is up to the states to decide. So it left it up to the people in each state. It gave power back to the people in order to decide what works best in their state. And that's the ultimate in democracy. So even though the left is screaming at us all the time that, oh, we're losing democracy, you know, they're on the edge of losing our democracy. What they did, what the Supreme Court did, wasn't that at all. It was the ultimate in democracy. 833-456-1300. Why are you celebrating? Why is America a great country? And I think that everybody can find something in which you can point at and say America is a great country. Now, the question, as I said, has only been asked four times, but this is the first time that a majority of people who responded feel disappointed in the country. 56% said that they are not proud of this country. Now, is that because your party's not in, in office? I'm not proud of some things that have happened in this country. Of course, I'm not happy with some of the policies and decisions. No. Do I think America was a better country at at different times? Of course, but we're not perfect. It's not a perfect country. You know, yeah, we had slavery, but we fought a war against brother against brother in order to, 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 to defeat that. No other country's done that. We see wrong in our country. We acknowledge it. And then we say, okay, we need to fix this. So we're not perfect, but we are redeemable as opposed to what Hillary said, irredeemable, uh, deplorables. We are redeemable as a country. 
56% said they're not proud. That's up from 45% in 2017 and 28% in 2011. And that's just sad. Independents and Republicans reversed their position since 2017. So, uh, and not Democrats who were formerly not proud are now on the fence. It's still not great to them, but they're on the fence. 833-456-1300 is the number. I want to know why you're celebrating. What are you celebrating about America as you celebrate the 4th of July holiday this weekend? I'll take your calls on The Guy Benson Show. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson on this 4th of July Friday. And, you know, we keep being told about how horrible America is and the Democrats have all the power, but yet they still think that America's a terrible, horrible place. And I don't believe that. I still think no matter what, this is the best place you got it, you can go. This country, for all of its flaws, for all of its warts and bruises and bumps and everything else, we have at least acknowledged our sins of the past, and we have tried to right those wrongs. Not by tearing down statues, that doesn't do anything. But acknowledging we're one of the most diverse countries in the world, if not the most diverse country in the world. So I want some good news. 833-456-1300. I want to know what you're celebrating about this country this 4th of July weekend. I'm sure you're celebrating. Why? Why are you celebrating America? 833-456-1300. Let's go to Bill in Maryland listening online. Bill, you're on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for joining me. Hey, Mary, I appreciate it. And I've been uh, uh, loving this country ever since I was a child. And uh, I won't get too emotional, but uh, it's sort of a blessed assurance to be here. You look at the natural and uh, wonders of man-made wonders, and uh, you know nowhere else. And so every day is a blessing, and I pray the Lord will just keep keep it up. Let me ask you one quick question, Bill, before I let you go. Um, what happened generationally where we allowed that love of this country to kind of wane, to fall by the wayside? What happened? Well, I don't know, uh, except for my own personal experience. I, I went through college, and it was an eye-opener. After being in the service, I was a little bit more sophisticated than the uh, freshmen that were, uh, you know, they had the moral letters kicked out right away, left spinning in circles. <clears throat> but I could see what was going on, and it's it's like it's it was a, it, it's been intentional to a great extent. And, uh, you know, I, that's, uh, it makes me mad sometimes, but it just seems to keep on going and spreading. So I don't know what to, uh, you know, what, what else to say about it. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it because you, as I said, you could really hear it in your voice. So I'm so glad that there are people like you still around who still love this country so much so that you get choked up about it. That is fantastic. You have a blessed holiday and thank you f- so much for joining me, Bill. Appreciate it. This poll, uh, this Fox News poll showing that pride is down in the U.S. significantly. And National Review has a great piece on why America still rocks. It's written by Jim Garrity. And uh, you have the uh, Gallup poll as well showing that they started this in 2001, that 38% of U.S. adults say they are extremely proud to be an American. It is the lowest in their trend. And why do you think that is? 
I have some theories as, as to why that is. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with generation. And I think we have a generation that has kind of allowed that to fall by the wayside. My brother-in-law, God bless him. He, every 4th of July, he reads the constitution with his kids every year. It is a, a tradition in their family and the kids, you know, now, now they come, they've come to embrace it. It was hokey. Oh dad, but they've come to embrace it. And I just think that we're falling, we're, we're faltering on passing that love of country down. Cause if you think there's a better country somewhere else, go to it. The other reason I think is because we're the further you get away from your immigration story, the less love of this country you have. Like I know my grandparents' immigration story. I know why they left Germany. I know what was happening. Um, they taught me uh, so much about loving this country. And I always felt so special when my grandparents would talk about why they came to America. But the further you get away from that, once you get like two generations, I think away from your immigration story, you don't know it because it's not taught. And you, you lose, I think, the love and, and how special America is. And we also don't travel outside this country. I think if you traveled outside this country, you would probably be a little bit more appreciative of this country. 833-456-1300. Look at this. Calling from Canada. Dan, you are on the Guy Benson Show. Welcome. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. So go ahead. I'm interested to hear what you have to say. Hi. Uh, I've been living out of the United States because I, I transferred up uh, to Canada. And I've been all over Asia. I've been to uh, quite a few countries. Let me tell you something. Uh, like My family is a hardcore U.S. military family. And... When I never realized how great America was until I actually left it and saw what the other parts of the world were. And I can tell you right now, I have literally been sitting in rooms with most of my friends who are immigrants here to Canada. They're now Canadian citizens. And I am not joking. Every single one of them. This was at a party with like 50 people and we were just all sitting around talking the only reason they immigrated to Canada so they could immigrate to the United States. There's a reason why everyone wants to come to the United States. You don't see someone kick back and go, oh, my God, I want to go to China. Oh, my God, I want to go to India. Oh, my God, I want to go here. No. Everyone wants to go to the United States because it's the only country that will offer you the opportunity that if you work hard, you will succeed. You will not have that in any other place. And I have seen that with my own eyes here. I have so many friends that have graduated with their PhDs that are Canadian that cannot find a job in this country. And all of them, out of my graduating body from my master's and PhD class, I think there's only three of them out of about 100 graduates that are left in this country. All of the other ones are in the United States working, and they're never coming back. That's so interesting, and I, I agree with you, and I'm so glad you shared that because, again, if we don't travel, like my family is from Germany, my father's family, and that was, you know, those were my grandparents who came, so we went to Germany every other year to visit my cousins and visit the relatives and, and get to know that part of the family that we don't normally see because they don't live in America. So I got to see all these other countries, and because I was so close to my immigration story, the, the relatives that immigrated here, emigrated here, it, it, it was much more personal for me. But the further Americans get away from that story, I think they just take it for granted. I think too many people just take what we have here for granted and they're going to destroy it because they're taking it for granted, which is why I love 
legal immigration into this country because legal immigrants can teach us so much. Dan, thank you so much. I, I appreciate you joining us, man, because you are so right. Absolutely. Let's go to uh, Jeff in Houston. Jeff, you are on the Guy Benson Show. What are you celebrating this weekend? Hi. Mary, I am celebrating loving America because I remember the late 70s waiting with my dad in line for gas. Uh, our numbers of our license plates determined when you could get gas because yes. of shortages. Yes. I, I served 10 years in the Army and served with the 101st Airborne during the Gulf War. So I've been to war. I've served my country, and I still love it. My my wife is the first naturalized citizen in her family. Uh, she was naturalized in 1990. She's from Scotland. Uh, and now she's, well, she's been a geography teacher for many years, and uh, she loves our country more than some American-born citizens I know. And, well, because, she, wait, real, you know why, wait, can I just say, you know why she loves it more? She had to work for it. It wasn't handed to her. And that's what bothers me with illegal immigration is we're just going to hand them something that people like your wife had to work so hard to obtain. And she worked very hard. And then when I married her and moved her away from Houston and up to Fort Campbell, Kentucky, uh, they wanted to transfer. The swearing-in ceremony would have taken another year and several hundred more dollars that we didn't have because we didn't make a lot of money in the army. And we actually traveled back to Houston for her swearing in date. And then four months later, I left her and went to war, uh, came back, uh, had a baby. Uh, our daughter is now 30 years old. She's our little war baby and she's the future of our country. She's very solid, very conservative, very smart. And she's an environmental geoscientist. So she not only stewards the land, she also understands what it is to be an American. Uh, I align myself with strong, patriotic men and women, and there are more of us than you think. Uh, the unhinged left is very vocal, so they seem large, but they're small. They're very, very small, both in mind, spirit, and, and in numbers. There are a lot more of us strong, patriotic men and women out here. You just made me feel so good. Thank you so much, Jeff. I, I, I just really appreciate your call. And thank you so much for all your service to this country. And I don't say that as a flippant you know, thing that you say to people. I really appreciate it. I, I've worked with the military support group and we supported the families. And so I know that the whole family serves. And I know that it's a sacrifice for the whole family, both you know, money and career and lifestyle and so many things. So I really uh, appreciate that. Thank you so much. And you have a wonderful, blessed 4th of July. Great. Great celebration to you. 833-456-1300. 833-456-1300. Uh, Want to know what you are celebrating. What are you celebrating about America this weekend? We're going to have fireworks. Or maybe maybe not. Fireworks are out. Drones are in. Tell you about that. But you're going to get together. You're going to wave the flag. Uh, probably some patriotic music. Some people won't. But I think there are a lot of people who are, and I'm just curious as to what for you personally are you celebrating about this country? I'm Mary Walter, and I'll get more of your calls coming up on the Guy Benson Show next. Guy Benson will be right back. I'm Mary Walter sitting in for Guy Benson, 833-456-1300. Uh, you can always catch me. I'll be here on Tuesday. I'll be back in for Guy uh, and uh, you can catch me 
on my podcast on Thursday evening, 7.15 on Getter and on YouTube. Just look for Mary Walter on Getter and on YouTube, look for Mary Walter Radio. And, you know, subscribe to my channel and I would love to talk with you. Let's, we're talking right now, though, about what you're celebrating this weekend. We're celebrating America. America's not a terrible, horrible place. So what are you celebrating? Let's go to Wisconsin. Sally, you're on the Guy Benson Show, and are you celebrating with cheese? Uh, yeah, plenty <laughs> of cheese at the farm. <laughs> yeah. This country has no is not like any other country in the world. It is the only country that allows you to achieve something in life. Not only gives you opportunities, but it allows you to have the opportunities. My parents taught me from the time I was a baby to know my history, know my ancestors. My father fought for this country. My son fought for this country. This is a wonderful country. We have problems. But who doesn't? We have less problems than anybody else in the world. And we have different problems. You know, everyone keeps pointing to Europe. We have to be like Europe. They have this. They have that. We're not Europe. My grandparents left Europe for a reason in order to come to a country where they knew they weren't going to get universal health care. You know, they weren't going to get cradle to grave you know, schooling. They weren't going to get free college, this, that, and the other. But they were going to get opportunity. And for them, it was worth it. And my grandparents came to this country. They had to have sponsors. They had to prove they were learning English. All these hoops they had to jump through. And they wound up being wildly successful. They worked really, really hard. But, I mean, they weren't millionaires, but they made far more than they ever would have made back in Germany. And that's that's the promise of America is opportunity. Work hard and you will, with luck, make it. And that's the, and there are so many people who are willing to risk it all for that. Sally, thank you so much. You have a blessed 4th of July. Have a great time. And let's go to California. Willie, you are on the Guy Benson Show. Hi. Hello. Hey, I was commenting on the uh, Pride and Country survey. You know, I think it's kind of a trick question. I think most of us are still proud, especially the older people, are still very proud of our country and certainly don't want to go anyplace else. But just the blatant corruption and the, just the, it's, it's almost embarrassing. I mean, yeah. the, the, at, least back, at least back in the old days, they used to try to hide their lies and hide their corruption. Now they don't even try to hide. They just look you right in the eye. They know everybody knows the truth, and they still just flat out lie. And there's no accountability, uh, no repercussions. I mean, it's just, it's just getting to the point where it's flat out embarrassing. In other countries, we used to be able to point our fingers. We could point our fingers in other countries and say, hey, you guys are doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. But we can't do that anymore. Other countries are pointing their fingers at us yep. and laughing. I mean, we are embarrassing 100%. right now. I, I agree with you 100%. But, you, but as I said, like you saw, you're starting to see it happen. You're seeing it, as I said, with school boards and with schools and the corruption and what they're teaching our children. And they knew the parents weren't paying attention. That's stopping now because parents on both sides are saying, no, you're not going to corrupt my child. And, and I think that that's a good sign. I think that's a step in the right direction. <clears throat> Excuse me. I also think that Donald Trump, love him or hate him, he showed, he pulled back the curtain on the corruption of the swamp. You really got to see the deep swamp and you really, really got to see the corruption. And I, I think that that was one thing that Donald Trump, again, love him or hate him, really brought to the fore because they, they were so willing to just drop the facade in order to destroy him. Why? Because he was showing them for who they are and they don't want you to know 
who they truly are. They really don't. All right, Dan, let me hear from you. What are you celebrating besides uh, grilling and having a beer? What are you celebrating about America? Well, my, I come from a military family as well, so I'm celebrating everyone in my family that has served for this country and for the freedom of this country and everyone in it and just thinking about them every time, you know, a holiday like this comes up and um, I'm very thankful for them and thankful for everybody else who do the same. Do you think because you come from a military family, you have a better appreciation or more of an appreciation for, for this country? Well, I think I was taught a lot about it. Like my dad was a Vietnam era veteran, and he taught me a lot about service to the country and what it means to be an American and, and why we should be proud and, and those sorts of things. So I think, I think it was very much pressed in my family and made sure we understood that. Yeah, I think that that's so it's so important. It's it's amazing how much, as I said before, um, military families, especially they're made of something so special that I think most Americans are not made of. 833-456-1300. Wyatt, do you want to jump in? Oh, Christine, do you want to jump in? I sure do. Mary. Yay! We miss Christine. I'm so glad you're on. Of course I have something to say. Mary, and I'm sure you can appreciate this, especially being on the air right now, saying your opinions. I appreciate the fact that I'm a woman in this country and that I have the freedom to do and say and basically have, I have the same rights as a man because we look at the countries, you know, overseas. We look at Afghanistan, Saudi Arabia, like what's happening in Pakistan to women in India. We are so lucky to be here and I will never, ever take that for granted because my heart just crumbles for what women – we saw what ha- is going to happen in Afghanistan once Biden pulled out. We have no clue how lucky we are. We could go to school. We could do anything here, anything. You know, that that is so true, and I'm glad you brought that up because I don't even think of that aspect of all of this. You know, the poor women in Afghanistan are back to wearing head-to-toe, totally covered, right – you know, they, they don't have freedom of even what to wear outside of the home. Think about that. You know, think, think about it. And, and the, the, the liberal women in this country who scream and cry and talk about how America is such a horrible place and how women in this country are treated so poorly. This is why we need to said, I, I really think you, we should be able to adopt a socialist and fund their travel to a real socialist country and let them see what it's like, especially the women especially the women. And, you know, you have a daughter that is, that's so important for her. And I know that you and you and Bob will do a wonderful job in imparting all of this love of country with her. Well, whatever you, thank you, Christine, Uh, whatever you decide to do this weekend, I I hope you do it safely. I hope you have a wonderful time. Have a wonderful fourth. Thank you to Guy for letting me sit in the seat. Christine, Dan Wyatt, thank you for helping me, giving me all the help. And all of you have a wonderful wonderful fourth. I'm Mary Walter. This is the Guy Benson Show. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.